Welcome back to the Jordan Syatt Mini Podcast. This episode is going to be very different than any episode I've ever done before, and that's because I'm speaking with my wonderful friend and colleague, Paul Carter. Now, Paul is the Gordon Ramsay of muscle growth, if you will. He's an absolute genius when it comes to all things bodybuilding, muscle growth, physique enhancement, exercise selection, really incredible guy, and, and a tremendous asset to the fitness industry. That said, in this episode, we don't talk about muscle growth. We talk about cheat meals. And Paul and I, we actually have differing opinions on cheat meals, which is one of the reasons why I wanted to have this podcast and discuss it with him. Personally, I'm not a big fan of cheat meals. I know with my own past of binge eating and disordered eating, it wouldn't go well for me. Not to mention just on the principle level, I don't like the idea of calling something a cheat meal because it denotes that you're doing something bad or wrong. On the other hand, Paul does very well with cheat meals, and he has these famous cheat meals every Friday that he posts on his Instagram that get a huge response from people, and it's truly a tremendous amount of food. And I wanted to talk with Paul publicly to express both of our opinions about them, and this way you can listen and you can decide for yourself what option is best for you. I don't ever want you to just listen to what I say and take it at face value. I also want you to seek out other opinions, and I thought this was a really good opportunity to get both my views and Paul's views together so that you can see what works best for you. As you'll see, the way that Paul does it does not work at all well for me, and the way that I do it doesn't work well for Paul. So you can take both of what we have to say and decide for yourself. I hope you enjoy the episode. All right, Paul, this is where we just pretend like we weren't talking for 20 minutes before this. And now it's right. I know how, yeah, I've done a few podcasts and there's always so much good stuff right before you even start. The stuff that we said before the recording started could be a separate show in and of itself that might have to happen one day. Yeah, but, I, 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 re I really think we should. And I'll, I, in that kind of show, I would be as raw and organic as I want to be. Right. I, you're already laughing because you're like, oh, you don't know what happened either. Like we would have 20 million followers, like one. <laughs> either they would love us or they'd be like, what the I, I think that? people would find it incredibly entertaining. And like I said, I anytime I tell you about something traumatic in my life, it's just a big fucking comedy show for you. So <laughs> I think that people would get a kick out of that. Paul has like, like something really horrible happened to him this week. And Jordan thought it was the funniest thing ever. Just laugh. I got I got bone cancer this week jordan there you are oh that's amazing <laughs> love that for you all right um all right so for this podcast we're talking about cheat meals and uh i know that so for everyone who doesn't know paul where can people follow you on instagram um i think now it's at the point if you search for paul carter i'm the first one that comes up okay paul carter on instagram it's lift run bang um paul has these epic cheat meals like truly epic cheat meals. And it's one of those things where every time I see him post one of the pictures of his cheat meal, I'm like, man, I want one. And then <laughs> like he'll post like Shake Shack burgers and ice cream and all this stuff. And I'm like, I want that. And then I'll get a burger and I'll be like, wait, this is so far outside of my calorie range, but then I eat it anyway. And I'm like, well, Paul's doing it. But so I know that you get a lot of questions about your cheat meals. You get questions about how you structure the cheat meal, what you do before the cheat meal, what you do after the cheat meal, how do you have these huge cheat meals with thousands of calories and then not gain body fat. And basically, I just want to chat with you about that, give you the floor to – because I know I know it's scientific. I know you're very deliberate with everything you do. And so I want to talk about that, and I also want to talk about 
the mental component of cheat meals, right? Sort of the thing that I put on my Instagram the other day about mm. the the verbiage that we use. And I yeah. think you brought up some really great points in your comment as well. So um, let's just, how about you just take the floor, introduce yourself and just talk about your cheat meals from how, wherever you want to begin. Uh, okay. Well, as you said, I'm Paul Carter and I'm your, I'm your weekly, sometimes monthly entertainment court jester, <laughs> whatever it is. Um, uh, that's, that's my role in life at this point for you. Um, uh, yes, I mean, I've been, uh, I've been doing this for a very, very long time. Um, the whole lifting dietary, like, you know, like 30 something years now. So the thing about, <clears throat> I get asked about different dietary approaches and I, I think, that when people look at my dietary approach, sometimes there's like comments or whatever uh, in terms of like that, that would work for them or whatever. And that, that's okay. You know, we talk about this a lot. Diet, dietary sustainability is going to be very individualistic. Mm-hmm. Um, it, there's as much of an art component there as there is a scientific component too. Mm-hmm. Yep. Because if you, if you look at a diet, for example, um, look at it the same way you look at building a house. So if you take a house, for example, and somebody just draws out the plans, an architect comes and designs the plans for a house, it, it's really just a plan, okay? I'm yeah. gonna design this house. Well, when you write out a diet, it's just a plan, but there's no emotional component that's assigned to building a house. Correct. But there's emotional components that go into food yep. and following a diet and hunger and the, the you know, the, um, <clears throat> the binary, a pathway that occurs between the brain and the gut and all these things. So there's a multitude of moving components that basically include an emotional factor when it comes to dieting. And that comes with, you know, whether people have used food for type, a type of comfort or, you know, whatever connotation that they have with food. And you talk about this a lot with various words. And I actually do think words are very, very important because they have a profound impact on how the brain works and how I per- our perception uh, about things are, and that goes from food to relationships to basically everything in our daily life. Yep, so the, the what happens is laying out a dietary plan is super simple. You, I mean, you know this, right? Like if you sit down with somebody, you figure out some basic numbers and you say, hey, this yeah. is probably going to put you in a calorie deficit, but then they can't follow it for a multitude of reasons. Right. But if you were an architect and sat down and went to design a house, you wouldn't wake up one day and be like, you're like, oh, like gnashing of teeth and, you know, like withering, like lagging on the floor and like, in, you know, in the corner, like in, you know, like the fetal position. Like, I can't design the door that way. And, you know, you don't the do drywall. Oh. Yes. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you know, you're just crying in the shower and like the fucking shampoo bottle does that like knockover thing where you, you don't, I don't even know why it does that. So, um but there's no emotional component. You design the house, your builders go out and they build it. Okay. So you remove, once you remove an emotional component to something like that, you kind of remove that part of the human condition, um, that that's the fallible, right? The fallible, uh, you know, part of whatever it is that we're trying to accomplish And the dietary adherence has a large emotional component to it. Yep. So for me, I do so much better that when I have like, um, and some people say, don't do this, but for me, this works really well. I do really well when I have, um, like a la- I call it landmarks. Okay. And we talked about wording, right? For me, yep. the landmark is boom. I got to get to Friday. So people okay. ask what day, like Friday night is my cheat. I have my cheat meal. It's not a cheat day. It's a cheat meal. So I like this already. I like the idea of landmarks. I can already see where that might go. And I, I think the best part before you but even dive you into it. when you use that is, word, right? When you say landmark, you use that word. It changes the framework of how 100%. you view that. 
wording, you and I are on the same page about that. Wording is so important, right? Because for everybody else, got about this before where like you and I get super mad when people like they're careless with their verbiage and they don't, they don't like words for me, like are I'm a big deal. very seriously. Yeah. Um, too. But also the part that you said is like, listen, some people say don't do this, but for me it works. It's like, then who in the hell is anybody to discount that? Right. It's like, you have to find what works for you. So already I'm on board just because you've clearly found what works for you and many others. It's like, for, I've, I've never understood why someone would try and tear someone down for something that they're doing that works for them just because it might not work for someone else. It's like, we're all individuals here. Yeah, 100%. And I think a huge part of that is is um, both cognitive dissonance and then cognitive bias, right? So people, in order to find a deep meaning in something, they like to create more and more constructs that add on to that particular meaning, right? And then yep. another way they do that is they find other people that believe the same shit that they do. And then the other way is that they create deeper meaning is they go out and find people that don't believe it and fucking fight with those people. So like, <laughs> right, like a few yep. years ago, it was like the keto people were all over the place fighting with everybody about how ketogenic diets were like so superior than, you know, it's like it was a smug diet. It's like my diet makes me better than you are. So, right, like that was the thing. And then you go out and fight with people and then they would fight with people and tell them not to eat carbohydrates. And there was the insulin to obesity model and all the shit that occurred from that stuff, right? And they didn't yep. like science at all. So... That is kind of like the what people they look at that kind of stuff. I had somebody that made a remark a couple of weeks ago and said something like, I like to promote eating disorders. And if I could have punched oh, that person through yeah. the like <laughs> like if you look at kind of the the framework of what encompasses an eating disorder, there's a lot of sense of loss of loss of control in a person's life. There's like a lot, there's uh, like binging and purging. Um, there's degrees of going to where they're, um, they have malnutrition. So none of those thing, things fit into the framework of how I feel. Like I, when I am crushing my diet, I feel awesome. Yep. Like totally feel awesome. And I can't wait for Friday for that sheet. And I love to crush that 100% of compliance throughout the week, get to Friday and have that awesome shared experience with my daughter because my daughter does all my cheats with me, right? So we cook together, we pick out what we're going to do together, we talk during the week about, hey, and it's such a fun, fulfilling fun thing, thing for me. It's amazing. 100%. Yeah. Food isn't just fuel. That's one of the things Thank that I just God. can't That's, stand. Oh, man. I do not buy into the belief that food is just fuel. Uh, food for centuries has been something that we used to create shared experiences with other human 100%. beings. Yep. And like, you know, like if we, whenever you come here, I come down to, you know, wherever it is, you know, you're going to go wherever, like whatever we do, I'm sure we'll get together and smash food and that'll be a part of the experience of bonding together, right? Like as people, yes. but we've done that for centuries. It's a huge part of, of just like sharing with one another. So like every Friday, and I think about that a lot of times, like one day when I'm dead and gone, <clears throat> you know, like, you know, Naomi and my daughters, they'll have those experiences like with me where we just had that fun and cook together and, yeah. and watch movies while we did our cheat meals. And like that is such a deep, connective time for me. And I get it every single Friday. Right. If, if Friday is that day for you, then maybe with their kids every Friday, they're going to like have a home dinner, family dinner. Like that's sort of one of the reasons I love Shabbat with my family. Right. Where it's like every Friday night you have dinner where you prepare it ahead of time and you sit down at the table and you enjoy it food is not just fuel i, no. I hate it when people and say I, that i hate that it, saying. It, it takes away one of the most important components of enjoying life and just boils it down to a very reductionist view that eliminates so much of what we're here for 
Uh, dude, absolutely. I mean, what what feels better than to get together with family or friends and have a big, you know, like that's why Thanksgiving and Christmas and all those those times are so meaningful. It's it's not just the time of year. It's actually what well, what are we doing together? Like we're everyone cooking the big ass turkey. We're cooking the big ass ham. And I'm gonna get I'm gonna have go into a carb coma. You know, from, you know, from, you know, that and I'm going to watch football, even if I don't watch football, you know, Thanksgiving Day and all that kind of stuff. And those are all the shared experience that you have that I believe enrich and deepen our lives and create a more meaningful love uh, and degree of connection that we have with the with the people we keep in our circle. So I don't get into the whole food is fuel thing. I love to crush uh, my diet throughout the week and then have that Friday night, every Friday night. So it's like a lot of people ask, well, when do you do it? Uh, a huge part of it is is the enjoyment factor for me. So every Friday night, I know I'm going to have my cheat meal. I know it's going to be big and epic. I know it's going to be fun. I know we're going to watch movies. I know I'm going to get sleepy. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> And like everything that comes with it, I love. So for me, having that landmark of Friday night, I'm going to crush this week in terms of training and cardio. My diet's going to be on point. It is really rewarding. Yep. Yeah. And, I, and I'm sure I like the idea of that landmark because – you have all week to crush your diet. You're on point. And then you have that landmark for Friday. And then there's no guilt. It was planned. It's like there's nothing to feel bad about. You have it. You enjoy it. And then you wake up the next day and you're back on point. I think one of yes. the biggest reasons people struggle is because they feel so guilty as soon as they have one quote-unquote bad thing. And that leads to a very unhealthy relationship with food. But when it's something you've planned in advance and you're fine with it, there's literally nothing bad with it, that – that negative emotional response goes away because you're not doing anything wrong. Yeah, and though a lot of times I think what those people are they're struggling with, right? Instead of just allowing themselves to say, okay, I'm going to indulge in foods I love. You, you you know, you talk about removing the stigma of calling something a good food or a bad food. And I think when when you remove that stigma, it's like, look, I'm going to be on point and I'm going to hit all my goals for this week and then I'm going to enjoy myself or whatever. Like yep. What, how, how is that different than planning a vacation? Yeah. How is it different than planning a vacation? It's like the, the timeline's longer, of course. So let's say you take a vacation once a year for two weeks. Do you go on vacation the whole time and just punch yourself in the, in the crotch? Like every day you wake up and just guilt yourself and like, fuck, I can't believe I'm on vacation trying to enjoy life. And just, I don't know. I worked all year, but I shouldn't, I really shouldn't get this. I'm just, oh yeah. Yeah. Nut punch or, you know, vag punch or whatever it is that you're giving yourself. Just punching yourself right in the crotch over and over again, right? Because you're on vacation. Like you worked all year, like you put in overtime or, you know, you like you, you, whatever, you know, everything that comes with adulting, right? You paid your bills, you work maybe two jobs, even, you know, you had the stress that comes with that. Here's the two weeks, right? Or week or however long you're like, I am going to take this time to decompress, to sleep in, to, you know, get a tan, you know, to have some drinks at night and to enjoy myself. Why would you go on that vacation and then proceed to beat the shit out of yourself every day until you go home? Right. Yeah, I'm with you. It's like it's the same thing where I get a lot of people asking me like, "Well, how am I supposed to diet on my vacation?" I'm like, "Do you ask your boss if you should be keeping up with your emails over vacation?" It's like right. vacation is the time where you are supposed to relax. Right. It's you're supposed to just let go and decompress like you said. So I'm with you 100%. Yeah, and even like with my clients, I tell them like go on vacation. I'm like, dude, just go on vacation. And they're like, what I should do for training? I'm like, whatever you want to do. I didn't like. I refuse to even program training for them for that yeah. time. I'm like, I'm not going to this. That is the time when you need to disconnect from all of this stuff and just enjoy your life for a while. Yep. Now, if you want to train every day and get up, do it. Just do it because you want to do it. Correct. 
right? And if you want, like, when I go on vacation, dude, I try to, I try to, to eat enough food to make sure that some village in Africa, just everybody starved due to the fact that I was on vacation for a week. So there's, if there's a, if I hear about it on the news, when I get home, I know the vacation eating was a success because there's been a multitude of, of famine throughout villages somewhere and, and, and Africa or could be anywhere, but that's, you know, if there, there had to be a famine occur somewhere shortly after I got back home from vacation. So no matter what I've done with my diet up to that point, I'm going to enjoy myself, right? I might drink myself into a stupor, you know, pass out in somebody else's bathroom for the night. Either either <laughs> way, I want to create those memories that are fun, that are different. Um, I want to be able to say, like, I enjoyed my life, you know, to the fullest, and, you know, in those times. And even if that means I don't do any of those things that I sat out by the pool and read a book, you know, each day, that that's what I wanted to do. And I think people have trouble when it comes to they can't they don't understand that a huge part and I believe there's also a psychological study that actually proves this um, and I actually need to dig it up but I didn't uh, but I can I can later and you can end up posting it if you want to that shows um, that having those moments having like a cheat meal actually creates a higher degree of compliance for a lot of people. There's so much research on this yeah. in terms of rigid dieters versus like uh, more flexible dieters and I think the cool part about this is. You're a, a perfect example of someone who you choose to separate your rigidity and flexibility by that one time a week, right? Yeah, now, totally. Other people will do it in smaller portions throughout the week. So rather than having one big one, they'll have smaller ones more frequently. But I think the the overall thing to take away from this is that if you always try to be quote unquote perfect and you always be are super rigid, you are statistically less likely to succeed than it, well, if you were more flexible. Okay, well, a lot of people don't understand this. Like willpower, it's been proven consistently over and over again in studies is the best way to fail because you only have, you can only do it for so long. You can only sustain willpower for so long and then you're going to break down. You right? can't white like knuckle it forever. Yeah, and you cannot white knuckle it forever. I love that phrase. And so, you know, that comes back to a certain amount of what I call like dietary self-awareness. Mm -hmm. I can't do a daily if it fits your macros. As soon as I eat a fucking cookie, I just ate 72 cookies. <laughs> so yeah. there's no one cookie as eating As soon as I ate one, I ate 72. That's exactly, that's true. Like, <laughs> like I've, I've eaten like 40 cookies before in acidic. So it's like, I, if I eat a cookie, I'm just like, well, it's all right. Well, let's just on now. I don't do, I don't know why any. <laughs> Well, it's on. Let's well, it's go. on. <laughs> Send it. So I, you know, like I don't, uh, I don't, I can't do that. I don't see the the point. And somebody else can be like, well, uh, you know, like, oh, I can just have a little chocolate. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Get the fuck out of here with that. I don't know what that having like that little chocolate. I don't know what that just is. A little chocolate. I'll just have a little. I just have a little chocolate taste of it. Like what are you a little chocolate. No, like you didn't bring me the vat of chocolate. And I'm gonna pour it all over me. The whole um, thing of the chocolate fondue is going directly in my mouth. <laughs> right. I mean, that's how I work. Like, if there's chocolate that's going to be going in my mouth, it'll go into my mouth until I hate myself. <laughs> <laughs> okay. There's probably a dirty joke in there, but either way. Um, but, I mean, that's true. I can't do the, like, the daily type if it fits your macros. Like, I can crush a bro diet all day long. Get to my cheat meal and then um, my cheat meal, and we talked about this a little bit, and I said a lot of people, they would look at it and they don't understand. They're, they're actually, my cheat meals are really strategic as well. 
this is I'm excited to hear about this because I, okay. I know they're strategic and I know you're not just randomly doing stuff. It's like, no, nope. I want to hear about this. Like, this is what I'm super excited to hear about. OK, so like I, I, I did a Q&A today to get you to grab some questions. We'll go through these and then I want you to ask because keep me on point here a little bit, too, because like we both like to talk a lot and I'll start rambling. So you just really don't like let, to talk a lot, though. I like to talk a lot. <laughs> Fuck yeah, I do. So. Um, so like one of the questions I get asked is like, if I, um, what do I normally eat like the day of? Like leading um, up to the meal. Yeah. So it's like on a Friday, right? So the yep. cheat meal will happen. I'll start at anywhere between like four and six o'clock that night. Um, just whenever. Cause like I said, Naomi always does. Um, she always does it with me. And that's like just so fun. So we'll start between four and six, but we usually plan for the day because there's usually stuff we need to go get. That's another part of it. Like we have to get either go to the store and get stuff. Like we, if we're doing the brioche French toast, we have to go get yeah, that. Like, well, you've called me before. Like you're driving around. Right. Like, yeah, that's you right. You're like, Naomi, tell him like what we just got at Shake Shack. And like she was super excited to say, yeah, he's going to eat all of it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You were, all, you were on a call with me when I was doing one on one day. Like that is what I mean. Like it's just the whole day is so fun for me. And um, so like I eat my normal stuff. My normal diet all day up until like her and I start like doing our cheek and then we'll have movies planned out for the evening. So while we're watching like our movies or we're playing Call of Duty or whatever we're doing, um, like we do that too. We'll play Call of Duty sometimes that. like one o'clock in the morning. Yeah. And so we'll start between like four and six. Um, and then I, it's not a day, it's like a meal and I eat the majority of what I'm going to eat probably the first 30 to 45 minutes. And then if there's anything left over from that, then like I usually do try to get enough later. Like we go back and we kind of like what I call like great like snack like grazing like for the evening or whatever. Yep. So it's kind of an evening cheat, I guess you would say. But I still just consider it one meal. Um, but so I don't. You have, you have the whole meal plan like laid out, right? So yep. everything you buy, everything that you put together, it's it's already laid out, and then you don't have anything extra on top of that. Yeah, like I don't like it's no. I'm not going back to the pantry to find stuff later. Whatever yeah. we just get, we buy for the evening is. I literally put right there on the coffee table everything. Yeah, you and take a picture like, of it. I've seen yeah, it. It's all laid out. It's yep. all laid out. That's the whole meal. And so, like that'll usually take all in all. I would have to say it takes a few hours because, like I said, I'll eat probably 75 percent of it in the first half hour. Um, and by the time that Friday rolls around, I really am hungry. Like I really am hungry. So here's the other part is that a lot of people don't understand also is that so when i wake up on saturday um saturday my energy levels are good again now here's the, some scientific parts so one of the things there were campbell did a study back a few years ago looking at refeeds versus linear dieting for 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 fat loss and one of the things that they did they did have one group it was an underpowered study but it was a good study and one of the groups um the, the group that did the refeed had a refeed each week and then the other group um, was just on a linear diet. The group that had the refeed each week um, lost more fat and had a higher degree of muscle retention at the end of the study than the group that um, the, that um, did the linear dieting. They lost more muscle mass and less fat. So there's something to be said. I Here's the other part that I see anecdotally for me that lines up with a lot of the research we've seen. And that is I'm not hungry or very hungry for a few days after. And I, what I believe that that is, is that my leptin, leptin goes up. Yeah. Yep. I believe yep. my leptin spikes for a few days. So Saturday, my normal diet, I almost have to talk myself into eating. Like yep. I might, I think my, I get a leptin spike and then I'm not hungry. So getting through Saturday, is super easy, getting through Sunday is super easy. 
Monday, I will start to feel it. So now if you think about this in your mind, those are two days I'm not even hungry of the week anymore. Yep. Okay. So then Monday rolls around. And depending on how many weeks I've been running it, I've been running 1,600 calories a day now, I think, for four weeks. And and how much do you weigh? Like 245 pounds. Lean 245. Like you're super lean. You're, how, how tall are you? 5'11". 5'11". Got it. Okay. Now I got hazel eyes so, too. So, so 1,600 for you is, is a very steep deficit. It is. And a lot of people go, how this, how that. We can touch on that too. One, right now, it's just kind of a challenge thing. But the other thing I wanted to prove, which I've, I'm proving I've done before, is that as long as I'm training really hard and my protein yep. intake is adequate, I don't really lose any, like, you know, there's no muscle loss or anything like that. Like, so yep. people that are freaking out about that kind of stuff, I don't know why. Like, as long as you're training hard, you got adequate protein coming in, it becomes pretty hard to lose muscle mass. Like, you're, it's yeah. a functional tissue, right? And you're, as long as you're giving your body a reason to hold on to it, it'll hold on to it. And we could talk so, about training intensity as well, which I think we should definitely hit on at the end of this. This is a whole separate topic that a lot of people need to hear about. Yeah, we'll just make a mark and we'll, we'll get back to it. So, so Saturday and Sunday, not hungry. Uh, Monday, um, like I said, if I once I get into about week four, week five, I'll be a little hungry on Monday, but it's really manageable. I start hitting a little bit of a wall on Tuesday. Now, here's okay. the cool part. So I really just have to diet or feel like I'm dieting for mostly part of Tuesday. Wednesday, I'm usually hungry. Thursday, I'm hungry. Fridays, I get my cheat. So when you look at it across that span, I only feel kind of like I'm like dieting from like a tired and hungry standpoint for about two and a half days. Yep. So if you can't be tired and hungry for two and a half days a week <laughs> to get to your fat loss goals, you don't want it that fucking bad. <laughs> yep. I understand that. I, I very much understand that. For It's funny because I'm listening to this and I'm like, man. I de like this would not work for me. I know that for sure, but it's, I, I'm, I can definitely see how here's the thing. I think goals are such an important aspect of, of this, right. In terms of what your goal is. Mm, very much. So I, I love like, dude, one of the, the, the fulfilling things about getting to, to that landmark on Friday for me is that crushing, a hundred percent compliance through the week. Like for me, yep. the way, just the way that I'm wired, that is really fulfilling. Yep. Right. Just yep. crushing all week of like, just like, dude, I'm just so on point. Like every meal's perfect. Whatever. For me, I get a lot of satisfaction out of that process. Like you, you enjoy that. Like you really enjoy it. I totally enjoy it. Yeah. For me, it's so funny. Like I can't be fucked to deal with that. Like I just, I, <laughs> I, I just can't. Like I, I am so not that person. Right. I'm just like, that's just not what I enjoy at all. So it's interesting to hear from that perspective, a different type of person with different goals, different enjoyment. It's like, yeah, for you, it's like you crush it on a daily basis. You like it, you enjoy it. This is what you, this is what you get a lot of pleasure out of. And then Friday, it's like, whew, just cheat meal. And you can enjoy it without really worrying about that. And also the community and family and love aspect as well. But for me, it's so funny because if, if someone was like, hey, you need to literally be 100% perfect with your nutrition for these five days. I'd be like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> that's like, why, I'm not okay, going to do it. Thing. This is the part so many people really need to get out of this conversation. Yep. You know that about you. Correct. So yeah. if, you, if you wake up and you're like, you say, I want to do this mini cut. You know for you, you could do your mini cut the way that I do this. Yeah, yep. 
people need to understand that because they will look at somebody else that's getting results and go, I want to go do what that person does. I'm like, that's not how this fucking works. Like you could look at what they do, but you have, you at some point you need to understand and cultivate and create the process that works for you as an individual that gets you to your goals. It doesn't mean you can't look at what somebody else is doing, but like I said, I couldn't do it the way you do it. I could not wake up every day and go, I I got X amount of calories. I know I'm going to get in the day and I'm going to have a fuck. I can have a cookie at fucking 12 when I have my lunch. I'm like, that is not happening. That will not work for me. But I know that about me. Yep. Dude, one of the things I love about this conversation, I'm sure you get the same messages too. I get messages from people where where they'll be like, wait, hey, so I know like you're, you're friends with so-and-so, another fitness industry professional, but you know like they follow more of a macros approach where you follow more of a this approach. I'm like, yeah, and we're friends. I always tell that. Like, and it's like, why are we supposed to be mortal enemies because of some it's like, It's still, people are like, well, but you say this and then they say that. I'm like, yeah, and they do what works for them and I do what works for me and hopefully you find what works best for you. But wow, I the concept. It's, I, it's, I think a lot of people without realizing almost unconsciously are putting themselves into these camps, right? right? Like the keto camp or the calorie right. camp or the macros camp or the cheat meal camp. It's like, just what the fuck camp it doesn't matter what camp you're in it's like you need to be you need to be in the 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 goal setting or either way the goal achievement attaining camp and that is is probably going to look really different for you than it's going to look for the person that maybe you're following or the person that you look up to or that you aspire to be like or whatever And you have to cultivate, create that so you can wake up and say, look, man, I crush it. And how I crush it is looks totally different than how this guy crushed it. But he crushes, too. Yeah, he crushes, too. But it's just different than the way I do it. And that's OK, because he figured out that that's a way he can wake up every day and says, hey, that doing it like this, you know, like my life doesn't feel obstructed by it. And I have fulfillment and enjoyment. Because like I said, I, and I repeat this over and over to people, it's like, I love bro diets. I grew up, when I grew up, was growing up on bodybuilding, I, I grew up eating bro diets, and I fucking love a bro diet. I love a bro diet. <laughs> like all the whole clean foods. I'm like, I know what clean foods are, motherfucker. Chicken and rice. Right, chicken and rice and broccoli, bitch. That's what I like. <laughs> and <laughs> and I, I can like, I feel like I'm just on point when I'm eating that way, right? And, um, like for other people, they don't, they didn't grow up with that mindset and that's okay. I'm like, what really matters is just, you find your, whatever sustainable approach is that is in, that's congruent with the goals you're trying to get to. For example, like if you're trying to go into a bodybuilding show where restrictions become like they, there's so many restrictions, the further along you go, the closer you get to the show, the more restrictions there are. If you're just trying, if you're a gen pop guy, you're just trying to lose some fat you just need to be in a calorie deficit and you yep. need to massage however you want to massage that. So context and how you're going to dieting, what your goals are, that, that matters too. So you have to figure that out. Right. Yep. So, I mean, yeah, it's like everybody's got to figure out their, their individual approach and this approach I love. It works for me. Um, like I will probably run it for another, I actually really want to get peeled over the next probably eight weeks. Like, like okay. really low single digits. How, um, how, what's your body fat you think right now? Probably around nine. Like I have more lean, more lean than that. Yeah, I'm like a nine or ten right now, and I I want to pull like push down into like five. Wow, geez. And how long do you think you can maintain that low of a body fat? That's actually the second half. I don't usually talk about my goals openly. That's going to be the second part of my goals. I'm actually going to try to see how long I can sustain four to five percent waking up like each day, and if this is something I can just do and sustain that with. Do you think like? 
mood, energy, sex drive, do you think that will be impacted by staying that lean for you? Well, I mean, the only person I'm having sex with right now is myself. So, like, <laughs> I mean, I don't, unless I get a girlfriend over the course of that time, you know, I don't, I don't know how that's going to impact. I guess me and her can document that. But, um, so, like, how would I look at, and here's, it's funny that we bring this up. This would be a whole other show. We need, like, our own podcast. Because here's how I actually look at that stuff. Your libido is mm-hmm. such a fundamental feedback system as to kind of what's going on with your diet and your stress and everything else. If you don't wake up horny as fuck, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm serious, like, let's all be adults here. If you wake up and you're, you're not horny ever, like if your libido sucks, you're probably either depressed or your diet sucks or you're not exercising, you're in enough sunlight. I have consistently believed, and I do believe there's some research that, that points to this, like you can, if you connect the dots, that when you're, li- we're wired for two things, uh, to survive and procreate. Yep. All of our wiring is built around those things. Yep. So when you don't want to procreate, when that's one of your, something's like, wrong, but yeah, there's something really off. So, I mean, that's a good indication. Um, and I think a huge part, like like wanting to have calf sex is a, I don't know what this term cheat meal is like talking about fucking, but anyway, like wanting to have sex, <laughs> wanting to have sex, I think is such a, um, if your libido is good, man, think about this way. Anybody that's listened, that ends up listening to this. When your libido is pretty high, you probably usually feel pretty good, right? Like when you're depressed or like, you know, like you're, you're t- like sleeping a lot because you just don't want to, you know, be awake anymore. Um, or you're not getting to the gym, you're not doing things, you're probably sex is usually the last thing on your mind. But when when life's good and you feel good, your mood's good, and you'll usually notice, you know, and you're watching what you're eating, you're doing a good job of picking mostly um, whole food sources, you know, minimizing the degree of um, um, uh, processed foods that you're eating, and you're getting good exercise in, your stress levels are pretty low, your libido comes up. It was like, oh, yeah, Libido's like, hey, what's up, dude? Life is looking pretty good right now. We should get laid. So, like, you know, or if you're a chick, same way. But um, I always feel like that that is a good feedback system for the how well you've kind of got those other parts of your life in place. I really feel like if you're getting good sunlight each day, your diet's on point, you're getting mostly whole food sources, you're exercising good, you're doing a good job of creating healthy coping, coping mechanisms for your, um, for, for your stress, like your, your libido will respond to that. I've, so always, I, I've always found that like the three markers for me have always been uh, sex drive, mm-hmm. my quality of my poops, and quality mm-hmm. of my sleep. If those three things are on, then I feel great and you know overall. It's funny that you mentioned those. Three. It, it, it's it generally those all dissolve simultaneously, right? Yes, that's exactly right. right. If you're really, really, if your diet's off and you're not feeling well, like sex drive goes down. If your stomach's all bloated, like, you know, like you're like, you're not having good bowel movements, you know, you're like sleeping well. The last thing you want to do is be like be bumping uglies with somebody. That's exactly right. Right. There's a center, there's a synergy there. I I think that's, that's really good. And I, I look at those things too, right? And you're right. Like if you're consistently having like your bowel movements are like at the same time each day and the same consistency, and then you're getting good sleep. And I always say, this about sleep and you've made i told you that one quote that you always have is one of my favorite quotes ever and i mean that's for anybody and let's talk about decision making throughout the day is make the decisions you feel like are going to help you sleep at night right yep yep and that is so freaking true is that when you're really stressed out and you lay your head down at night even if you're living your life really 
to to the best of um, your ability and choice wise. But if you've got stress, it's so hard to sleep, right? So hard to get your mind to turn off and just relax. But when your life's kind of in order, your sleep improves, right? Like you can get, you can lay down at night and go to sleep. You wake up in the day, you feel refreshed, right? You take a good shit, you know, <laughs> drink some coffee. It's usually the other order. Usually the other way, yeah. Coffee, <laughs> coffee and then a good shit. And then you're like, man, I could really go for some ass. And I mean, that's kind of the order that it goes in. <laughs> I thought I said I'd tune it, tune it down. This is as good as I can do, man. Just give me a break. I appreciate the effort, man. You're doing great. Yeah, so that I mean, that's really true. Though. Those are great, three great markers that people can look at consistently and say, what is it that I might need to, is it, is there an existential stress? I'm talking about non-gym related, like exercise stress. Is there a stress that I'm not coping with in a fundamental way that I could be dealing with better, right? That's going to help with your sleep. You yeah. know, if your, your digestion's off, there's something in your diet you, not, you might need to fix or change around. And then literally fixing those two things will probably lead to your libido being a little bit better and so the, that's kind of fixing that stuff so dude I, I think those are great awesome all right so so you're going to try and get to about five percent see how long you can sustain that enjoyably um and that's the other thing like if my if i i really think I, that i'll be okay you were asking about sex drive we covered that you asked about like mood and you asked about performance that kind of stuff if my performance take too big of a hit if it's too much i'll i'll change something around to where maybe i, maybe I do like a carb load midweek mm. okay right and so yep. i'll i'll do i'm i don't ever do big holes i'll make little changes here and there to see what comes out of that okay so i'm gonna make this whole this little change here so say on tuesday I do a carb load and I have like 400 grams of carbs like that, you know, in the evening, but it's all, oh, I keep the fat really low. I just have something like a big bowl of cereal. And then I see, okay, does that get me through the next few days? So the performance picks back up, yep. right? Because you don't, I don't want my workouts falling off too bad. So those are little things, but I really think I've enjoyed this, this one so much, just bringing it down. Like what is the lowest I can get my calories and just crush each week, like a Spartan, right and then you know and then just have that that time on friday so um i've actually really enjoyed the past four weeks um and my workouts have been good i mean i've had bad days here and there but i don't think any any more than than you usually have you still have some bad workouts during the month like even if you're you, eating normal calorie surplus you have bad Absolutely. workouts this is, so like, a, this is a part that i get really annoyed with when people are like they have like four hours in a calorie deficit and then they have a bad workout and they're like, Oh, it's because I'm in a calorie deficit. <laughs> you have bad workouts when you're in a surplus too. This is just like, not every workout is going to be the best bad workout of your are, life. Okay. So bad workouts can be related to not having enough fuel to, but you could also be training, being a calorie uh, surplus. And if your nervous system hasn't had time to recover, Yep. Uh, and if you, if you have peripheral damage at the muscular level and you haven't had time to have uh, that muscular damage to get repaired, you're going to have subpar workouts too. So the recovery, the part of the recovery we just talked about with sleep, part of the recovery is going to be the nutritional aspect um, that goes in with recovering between workouts. But the other part is the nervous system stuff and then the peripheral stuff at the muscular level. So there, that's another synergistic process that has to happen. You can have a bad workout because you circumvent the recovery process by just training too much or too long or too often or whatever, any of those things. Yep. All right. So, so let's go more into the cheat day, cheat meal. Sorry. We're going more into cheat meals. Let's talk about either some more of the, the common questions that people have asked you and, and also break down uh, sort of like the science behind your cheat meal. Okay. So the other one I get, um, is the, do I count the calories 
in the cheat meal. And that one is like, I'm going to try to be nice right now. I think that's not a smart <laughs> question. Like your brow furrowed. Like, right. I was like, I was like, that's not a smart question. That's going to be the nicest way I can phrase that. I, as we just kind of covered, and I'm glad we prefaced all the other stuff, like before we even asked that question, a huge part of it is the shared experience and the fun and all that kind of stuff. If I'm counting the calories in that cheat meal and I'm just not laying the hammer down, because I just want to lay the hammer down when my cheat meal comes around. If I'm counting calories, I am once I am actually attaching, in my opinion, it's more unhealthy now. It's, there's a stigma placed on it to where it's like I can only have so much. Yep. Now it's not the release from the whole diet. It's not like a vacation, if you it's want to use that, the right? It's not the vacation. I'm, once again, I'm on vacation. I'm punching myself right in the dick all every day that I'm paid for that vacation. <laughs> That's what counting the calories in the cheat meal is. It's punching yourself in the dick on vacation. Yep. So I don't – I just lay the hammer down. You just enjoy just, it. You just I enjoy just, it. Yep. Yeah. So I don't count the calories um, in the cheat. I, I Again, I think that's defeating the purpose – of how and why that I do it. I can't, if you're going to have a cheat meal and you'd say, Hey, I want to try this approach. Don't count the calories. Adjust based on fun. How's what's the fun factor. Wow. Talk about that. Adjust based on fun. Yeah. I like that. Talk about that. So, okay. <laughs> what I mean by adjust based on fun is that um, one of the worst things that you can do for a fucking cheat meal is eat some shit and you're like, that is not what I wanted. And now you got to go another seven days before that you get it. So one of the things that I do is I buy all the things I want to eat. And mm -hmm. if, if for some reason I can't finish them, I'm, I'm fine. I don't care. But I adjust when I say adjust based on fun. If I'm at the end of the night, I'm so miserable that it wasn't a good experience for me. I'm like, that was a little too much, but I don't yep. count the calories. I just go, okay, I hate myself a little too much. Though. <laughs> <laughs> right. It was like doing that extra line of Coke for that one, one stripper. It's <laughs> not even a seven. Okay. So anyway, oh um, God. <laughs> so You're killing me, Paul. All right. Sorry, dude. Um, I don't want to hate myself that much. Uh, so, like I like I said, like I think it was Lucy Case said, the meal's not over when you're full. The meal's over when you hate yourself. And that's actually how. One like, of the funniest skits right? I've ever seen. Yeah. Right. And that's how I, I, I kind of do it like that. But I, there is a point where I say, based on fun, I know when I'm at my limit and I know when I've exceeded it because you're always about 20 minutes behind your brain catching up with all the shit that you ate. And if I don't sleep well, I know I overdid it. And I actually, so here's the science-y kind of part for me. I actually make notes about what all I ate, not calorie-wise, just like the quantity and all that kind of stuff. And I have the pictures and that kind of stuff. So I'm like, well, this was too much. But then I do adjust. I do adjust from an eyeball setting um, what macros that I have coming in. So mm -hmm. when I was doing more hamburger and ribs, I like was, yep. okay, more protein. Somebody asked, because one of the questions was, how do you feel like doing, um, what's it called? A Brazilian, like, steakhouse. Brazilian steakhouse, That's yep. a shitty idea for a cheat. <laughs> how do you think that's so funny? I think that's funny because you've clearly developed the skill of understanding what an ideal cheat meal is. Like, yes. you know. And no, I love, because when you're saying adjust based on fun, what you're saying is, 
you're going to learn through this process what works well for you and what doesn't. Okay, you're so going to learn through trial and yeah. error that maybe this time. All right, so on this Friday night, I tried this. Uh, I didn't feel too good. I'm going to adjust a little bit this next next this next Friday night. Yeah. And over time, you get better at choosing the foods and the portions that make you feel good. Okay, so last week we added in macaroni and cheese. We'll never add it back in. That yeah. made you feel bad. Okay, it was like by the end of the night, it was like a brick. The fun and factor wasn't it wasn't so good. The, no, like the mac and cheese, which sounded really good adding in. We went with the mac and cheese, and then I've kind of figured out too much cheese in a cheat meal. It uh, it's like a block sitting in my stomach. Yep. So I want to have good digestion. So with the the foods that I pick and how I do this is 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 what I was just going back to what I was saying before is. Um, I was doing when I was doing I was doing three cheeseburgers at one time, three gigantic cheeseburgers. Shake then, Shack cheeseburgers? No, these are from Jay Alexander, the ones I were getting from Jay Alexander, and they're they're really big. You can't tell from the pictures, but they're really big. And then I was eating three of those, and then I was eating baked potatoes or fries, and then like uh so it was K chips and queso. That particular meal was chips and queso, and then three would be three cheeseburgers, and these are huge, three cheeseburgers, and then I would have two loaded baked potatoes. And then I would have carrot cake and three pints of ice cream. Jeez, I don't so, know how the hell you do that, man. That is insane. So I, what I found was that eventually the three cheeseburgers was, was I felt like was detracting from some of the extra carbs that I wanted to get in. So I removed one of the cheeseburgers and I'm like, okay, I want to replace that with more carbohydrates. So I, instead of going with the loaded baked potatoes, I actually swapped that out for more baked fries. So I bought... I would buy two of these, like those big bags of like steak fries, the thick boys. Yep. 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 And then I would make those and that was a good fix. And then I swatched out and said, well, let me see if I can fit more in. And then I was going to do mac and cheese, but the cheese, the mac and cheese ended up, my digestion wasn't anywhere near as good with that. Got so, it. right. So I just like, okay. So me and I was talking about, I was like, uh, -uh. I was like, we woke up the next day, her and I had these really good conversations, but I'm like, how is your digestion feel today? What do you feel like? We actually had these conversations about it. And so after last week's, which was hamburgers, and mac and cheese and fries, we added in the mac and cheese. I was like, I don't like the mac and cheese addition. I was like, I don't, I was like, I was, I felt like I had a block in my stomach and I don't like my digestion feels really off this morning. I, like, I don't feel good. I know it's not, I'm not shitting my brains out all day. It's that I still feel like I have too much food. I'm trying to digest in mm. my stomach this morning. Got it. So a huge part of my meal selection is how, what is my stomach feeling like the next day? If I eat a shit ton and I wake up the next day and I don't feel like I ate anything, that's fucking perfect. Got it. Okay. That's what you're looking for. Okay. I don't want to wake up the next morning and feel like I've got br a, a giant brick sitting on my stomach. Got it. Okay. So for me, a bad food selection can end up doing that and I'll, I'll eliminate whatever I added in. So I have a literally a rotation of meals that I figured out work for me. Sushi is a big one for you, right? You love sushi. Sushi, I will, I can smash. But here's the thing: I've also figured out certain there's certain sushi I can't get anymore because I'll end up burping like raw fish all night, and that is like the worst. Yeah, you don't want to have. Bro, that. that is horrible. Like in the middle of the night. So here's a story. So if everybody thinks it's all just like rainbows and like unicorn farts. One night, like I went pretty overboard on sushi eating, and it was this one particular roll. It was like it was. I think it's a sunrise roll, and it's like. He's got like lemon and salmon. I think that's it. And um, it was, uh, I was burping up like sushi all night. So eventually I went and I like, I had like, I was, it wasn't moving and I oh. was miserable. And I had to make, I literally had to make myself throw that, that meal up. Oh, Jesus. 
So it was. I was burping up raw. I was nauseous from dirt burping up the raw fish, and I just wanted to get it out. Yep. And so literally, I was like, okay, I can't eat that roll anymore. For whatever reason, fun factor was negative on that. It was meal. a big negative because I was like, whatever that roll, and every time I tried to get that roll because I tried it another time after that, the same thing happened. I was burping up that that raw fish and sushi. Well, whatever was in that particular roll, my digestion is not like. Yep. So my thing was this: as I got deeper in the deficit, and the longer it went on, I found when I was doing the ribs and the more of the burgers. I didn't have the same level of energy because the carbs took a hit. I couldn't get as many carbs in because of all the, the fat and the protein, right? Like, I don't want to do that. You don't want to do fats and proteins when you're trying to, to basically the other, one of the other factors that you're using in children for is glycogen replenishment, right? Because my yep. carbs are below 80 grams every day. Every day, except for Friday. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. What's your protein at? It's like between 250 and 275. On a 1,600-calorie a day? Wow, you're basic. You're Wow, that's unbelievable. Yeah, so it's like egg whites, 99% lean turkey, right? Wow, wow, like, wow, wow, wow. Okay. Chicken, chicken Man, press. I could never, ever, ever, ever do that. I'm so not that guy. <laughs> I'm so not – like I can't even begin to tell you like, God bless you. This just sounds so terrible to me. Like – I, I, wow. If we ever live in the same place, our diets yeah. will not go together. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the thing. Like if you say, Hey Paul, I want to get shredded with you over the next eight weeks. I'd be like, let's do it, dude. You would take a totally different approach and you would know how to adjust your diet yep. to get shredded. And that's the, the thing that people need to get out of this. Instead of looking at what I do and saying, I'm going to get that to work for me. Here's the thing. It's probably not going to, it may not work for you. It may be really bad for you. You know what else though, man, you know, this is really interesting. Because I think a lot of people look at your the cheat meals you post, right? The that you post, and they're like, "Oh, it's just not fair," right? They have that like. It's I, not I fair. get that. I get that comment. I but here's they like it's not fair. He can eat that much and look that good, but they don't have any idea how restrictive and strict you are during the week. It's like, listen, for some people, being super strict during the week and then having one cheat meal is really good for them. For other people, it's not. But it's not like. It's not like you eat like that all the time at all. The vast majority of the time is uh, very rigid. Yeah, I was at this. This was a pretty like that story happened to me. I was at this men's retreat um, a few years ago, the Emerge Christian Men's Retreat, and they had these awesome cookies, man. And I ate it was like forty cookies, <laughs> and I was I was still I was probably I was super lean and I was probably around seven percent body fat. Yeah. And the guys I was with was like, what what? And like, I was there with a friend and he goes, but Paul, you don't know what he eats like the other, he goes, he's just enjoying these cookies right now. But the rest of the time, like he won't even like touch it. Yeah. Like, right. So there's like seven, six and a half days of the, of the week outside of that, where I'm just like, I don't deviate from this at all. Yep. And that works for me. And that thing is, I think that, that, that this approach will only work for somebody who's super like ridiculously goal oriented in the same framework way that I am. Yes. It doesn't mean that you're not goal oriented. It just means that you're, you probably have an analytical mind of, of approach in the same, um, you know, theme that I do. Well, the also, the other thing, this is really important. I have a history of, of binge eating, 
right? right. Like with wrestling and cutting weight. And right. uh, I've, I personally, I have a history of like disordered eating habits. So I know for me, it's like, if I do that, it will cause that pattern to happen again. Right. So mm -hmm. it's like, I know for me, that's like, there's no way like that. I just can't have that type of mentality around food. And I think like, do, have you ever, did you have a history with disordered eating ever? Like, was that ever something you struggled with? No, Not so ever. that's just a completely, it's people always say like, don't compare your chapter one to someone else's chapter 15. Right. And no. for me, I think it's like, number one, don't compare your chapter one to someone else's chapter 15, but also you're comparing two completely different books and two completely different books that are written in two completely different languages. Right. And like, like we said earlier, you, you've got to, you've got to be willing to sit down and write your own chapters. Yes. A hundred percent. So I, I, this is one of the things that makes me happy about talking about this with you because I think a lot of people might hear this and be like, well, Jordan, this is so different than what you promote. And it's like, yeah, it absolutely is. And that's the point. Hopefully that's you'll either listen to this and be like, wow, maybe that's something I could try. Or you just know, like, no, this is not something that so, I can do. Okay. So here's the part where we get to where our thoughts and ideas are going to emerge and become like synonymous. Mm-hmm. And I think everybody that's listening really needs to take this fucking message to heart. Okay. And this will be this one. And this is the one that people ask me, what do I do the day after mm. to offset the cheat meal? Nothing. I go right back to my fucking diet. I love that. Okay. So this is the part where everybody could benefit from this type of thinking. Okay. And, and that this can, this also converges with the other question that I get which is also not this is me showing up as like trying to be strong christian paul this moment king james is fuck <laughs> so like okay so the other not super smart question i get is how do i not gain fat by eating like i have sat down before and looked at my calories my sheet meal calories are, for that meal is usually somewhere it's going to be around the seven thousand calorie ballpark okay. for that meal okay so it's, yep. so that's good so somebody goes how do you um Keep me on point here with this talk, because I want to get back to making sure we address, I think, the most critical point that people can take What do you do after? What do they do after? Okay. So people will ask that question. You have a 7,000-calorie meal or five or six or seven or whatever that it is. We'll call right? it a 10,000-calorie meal. Right. Yeah, it could it be. Matter. It probably has been at times, right? Like yeah. I've had ones where I ate like two whole cakes. So um, regardless of that – you can't skip a meal and get shredded. And there's no one meal that ever going to cause you to gain fat. There was an overfeeding study done. And me and Alan Aragon always oh, reference yeah, this yeah, one. Yeah. I love my, my favorite overfeeding study done was they took a bunch of motherfuckers and made them sit in bed, right, and not move. I love the fact that you just laugh at the way that I talk. So <laughs> <laughs> you don't interview other people that talk like me, do you? No, absolutely not. Uh, okay. <laughs> So they, I guarantee some people like, wow, this is a very different style of podcast that Jordan's having. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still a professional. Um, you can be a professional and cuss. Shit, you worked Gary V for all those years, right? I fucking cusses more than I do. The first iteration of my website had swear words on it, and my mom said, I was 21, and she was like, you know, Jordan, people aren't going to like that you have swear words on it. And I was like, I'm not changing for anybody. Like, I'm going to swear. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. <laughs> you, you, the thing is, you're so unbelievably intelligent that sometimes I don't expect the abrasiveness that <laughs> comes along with your speech, right? Like, you're, you're legitimately one of the most, like, scary intelligent, one of the smartest people I've ever met. And then it also comes along with, like, the 
they put these motherfuckers in a bed. And <laughs> <laughs> it's just so surprising. Yeah, there's this overfeeding study where they took these motherfuckers and put them in a bed. <laughs> I'm just like, okay. <laughs> it's, just, it's, it's organic. That's just how I talk. But they did. They took these motherfuckers and put them in a bed for seven days, right? And then they they made them not move as much as possible. They literally and, could not get out of bed unless like for the bathroom like, or something. Right, the right? bathroom, right? Like the bathroom and shower and stuff. They, they wanted them to be as sedentary as possible and they fed them a thousand calories a day over maintenance. Jeez, the, I hope they the, got paid well for this study. <laughs> sounds amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Seven days, you're just gonna feed me a thousand calories over maintenance as I lay in bed? So, <laughs> it's awesome. So, um. At the end of the week, at the end of seven days, the average fat gain for the week, a whole week, seven yep. days of this, of 7, not- 7,000 calories over maintenance by the end a of the thousand, week. A thousand, yeah, 7,000 calories over maintenance. The average average gain, fat gain, was half a pound. That's crazy. Right. People, okay. this, this study needs to be more, more popularized. It really does. And here's why, because if you sit down and you do like the whole, what I call like fat loss math shit that people like try to pull out, like, well, you did 3,500 calorie deficit is like equals, it's, it really, it, it looks good on paper and it, yes, it's science, but it does just doesn't end up working that it's way. It's not practical. It doesn't actually play no, out. It doesn't like, play out that way at all. Because our body isn't a static system that only builds, gains fat, and loses fat. That's not all our body does. And even when you are as static as possible, it still doesn't work that Correct. way. Correct. Yes, exactly. So the people that ask the question, and this is a this is the other thing that comes up. You know, people ask the question, how do you not gain? So you're telling me for six and a half days, I was training almost every day. Or I was training five days a week. Um, and then I was doing more than 12,000 steps a day, which is what I'm doing right now. So on 1600 calories a day, I train five days a week and I have more than 12,000 steps every day. Wow. So, Holy yeah, I, bro, when I decide to push it, I'd like, I really get after it. Yeah. So, you're, you're super intense with it. Right. So even then, right. So you think that I would have one meal that I'm going to, that I have like that when I was in this massive deficit for the whole six and a half days and that my body's going to go, man, let's just slap on layers and layers of fucking fat. Let's just back fat and ass fat, just a fat all over this son of a bitch. Like, like why would my body do that when it's depleted of glycogen? Right. Mm. You you know, when it's going to take up, you're going to have, you know, I'm going to be, my nutrient partitioning is going to be good because I'm insulin sensitive, you know, because I'm lower in body fat. And the other thing is my glue four expression is going to be high because if I've trained, my body will do a better job because I'm more insulin sensitive even in that moment. Right. So I'm going to store so much of those carbs as glycogen, right? Like right back into the muscle cell. Um, And, you know, like you basically, it's impossible to store protein as fat. And so, and then like whatever the extra calories are left over from fat, I don't, my fat intake is so low during the week. You know what I mean? It's, it's either way, even if it's five, six, seven, 10,000 calories, I don't clearly, I get leaner every week. Yeah. So yep. here's the two factors. I think so many people listening when they're, whatever they're struggling with this, listen, nobody ever got fat from one meal. Correct. Nobody ever got fat from one meal. You got fat. The one that you're wanting to get calorie clumping is a good way. You always you brought that that term up before is when you're having too many of those kind of meals over extended weeks at a time. Well, yeah, you see this 
it's wow we're almost going into this right now with thanksgiving coming up and the holiday season this is where people are like well you know like it's the thanksgiving and halloween and christmas so they take six weeks and just consistently eat way more and yeah over six weeks you can you can do some real damage it doesn't mean you can't well, I've, I've gained i've gone on vacation before and gained like 25 pounds in like five days like, <laughs> like back, and it's not all fat you know like i don't even know what it is but it's not all fat but I mean, calorie clumping, if you're having too many big meals, like they, yeah, if you're eating a, in, a, in a calorie surplus and over weeks at a time, you'll start storing excess body fat. But but if I'm in a, I don't even know, like I'm in such a deficit every day, and then by the end of the week, like that meal, oh, if anything, I probably get some part that the other people are missing is that thermic effect of food of that kind of yeah. meal. There's a couple of things that happen. Number one, the thermic effect of that meal. And then there is a spike in metabolism from that many calories coming in when you've been. And if anybody that's ever done a really massive meal and sweated their ass off, because, okay, so here's the other part. At night, after I had that meal, I am so hot. Like, I, I, I pour sweat. Like, I have to change the sheets every Friday. I just dump sweats, like buckets and buckets. I turn, I put the AC on 60. Sometimes 59, <laughs> and I put the fan on, and I'm still hot. So I just pour, like, buckets and buckets, and that's my metabolism, right, kicking up. So there's – while it's not going to offset thousands of calories, I still get this m metabolic bump. Yep. So – and then there's the thermic effect of food of those meals that come in, too. So there's – it's not – like I say, you're not just sitting there and not moving. And also I have – you know, I'm 245 pounds, so, like, my body probably – my BMR is probably pretty hot. Yeah. And let's, then I'm – Let's talk about – the I think the most critical part, which is what you do the day after. Right. So the, the day after, um, number one, I just get up and I'm so ready. I could just I'm gonna crush this next week. Like that's just there's no there's no here's the part I wish people could get to with this that I wish they could get out of this. I, I call it a cheat meal, but when I wake up there's no there's no guilt, there's no remorse, there's no anything of that nature. Yep. Because it's planned, it's a part of my success, right? And here's the thing. Is that if you figure out that you can crush your fat loss goals doing an, and if it fits your macro approach on the daily where you have the cookie or where you have the whatever, even if you have a cheat, bro, nothing really happened. Even Correct. if it's once a week, like just get back on your fucking diet. And this is how most people sabotage is they beat themselves into oblivion emotionally after they get off point. Here's you can always do it this way. Just a sign you know, yourself that you're going to get one free meal a week and go crush that free meal and then see what happens over the next six weeks. Right. I just feel like you have to play with these variables. Yeah. But the worst thing you can do is beat the shit out of yourself while you're trying like, you know, like, Oh, I cheated. Well, I'm a fuck up now. Might as well just go ahead and, and put a McDonald's out of business over the next three days. Like that's the people do that. They're, I know have, I have guy friends, guys struggle with this emotional and mental part of dieting too. They really do. Some do. I don't. Ah, yeah, of course. Right. And they do the thing where they're like, well, I ate a whole bunch of shit. Now, like, I guess it's all blown up. Now I might as well just, you know, not even do this diet. I'm like, like what's why? the point? I ruined like, it. Yeah. I'm like, no, okay. You ate one off meal. Okay. Man, this this is legitimately the the most every time I do a QA on Instagram, the the most common question is in the realm of I had like I ate more than I than I should have. I feel guilty. What should I do? Mm -hmm. It's like nothing. You get back on track. Just like that's it. That okay, so you had some food that you enjoyed. Who gives a fuck? 
That's it. <laughs> I don't know what to tell this, you, man. This is consistently the one factor that if you and I've found this with literally thousands of people over the years, if you can eliminate the guilt around having a quote unquote bad meal or eating more than you feel like you should have, if you can eliminate that, you will be successful with your diet. Yes. Whatever you choose it to be. If you if you want to be do more of like a like a calorie cycling approach, if you want to have more of a linear approach, if you want to have more of a weekly cheat meal approach, whatever you choose, as long as you can eliminate the guilt from having a quote unquote bad food or big meal, you'll succeed because it's that guilt that comes with having that meal that screws you over long-term. And this goes back to the circle part is that we talked about earlier when I talked about building a house and then a diet. And there's an emotional component with dieting that ends up circumventing or sabotage people sabotaging their own shit because of that emotional component. And they can't just say, okay, look, it's just energy. I just, I consumed a little more energy in this meal than I did in another meal. So I'll get back to consuming a little less energy after this. Yep. When you phrase it like that, it doesn't, you're like, okay, you start to remove the emotional component. We talked about words are important. So I said, I use a, my phrase is my landmark. Friday's my landmark. I'm going to crush until Friday because that's my fucking landmark. And I will crush. And I love crush. Like, dude, just getting up each day, like people are like, why do you do it that way? Because I love it. I love you it. enjoy it. That's yeah, what, and every that's week I wake up sexier and sexier and sexier, and then I was like, and then I get to have my giant meal on Friday. I don't know, like how, like you know, like for me, there's there's not another way I could do this. Let me ask you this: this is another aspect that I think goes overlooked. How long have you been in the industry, the fitness industry? Well, I mean, like I've been I've been training since I was fourteen. Yeah. So how how many years is that? Thirty one. One of the things that. I really love about you and I admire about you. And I think that I don't see in as many coaches nowadays is you are vigorously passionate about this. Like you love training, you love nutrition, you love coaching, you love your job. And I think that's one of the things that really goes overlooked. Like this is your passion. This is what you love. Yeah, 100%. So for you to be super strict like during the week, I think a lot of people would look at that as like, oh, he's suffering. It's like, no, no, no. He loves it. Like it's worth it because he enjoys it. I never it. think I'm suffering. I don't ever use that word because it's something I do as a choice and yep. it's something I love to get up and do. I love um, the feeling of accomplishment, of making it through that another week of having high dietary compliance. I love having that shared experience in those moments that I can have with my kids where we get to share that food and watch movies and stuff. All of that's super fulfilling to my life. Um, and there's nothing like lifting probably saved my life in a multitude of ways. Right. And just, I still like have so many like goals I want to do even after all these years. And I, sometimes I do have moments like, wow, like it's been this many years and I still do wake up every day. Like with this, I'm like, I still want to get after it. Yeah. That, That to me is, is I think such an important takeaway from which I didn't expect to have as part of this conversation is being able to find the thing that you're so passionate about that a lot of people would look like it's sort of like the the conversation people have around like oh they're obsessed with that it's like well yeah they just love it like they really enjoy it. it's worth it to them like the people who say oh you work too hard in this or you spend too much time on that and they say well you need to be more balanced it's like listen i think 
balance is an interesting word that we could really break down if we really wanted to on a very deep it's level. It's so weird that you're bringing that word up. I just had that conversation with somebody. It's like balance is never really balance. It, is there's all. all There's seasons in your life where you're allocating more emotional resources and time and everything to some. We just had this the previously. It's like right, right now, I don't want to get into a relationship with anybody. And my the balance in my life is my kids and my training and, and my online platforms and everything that I'm doing with that. And like that, I have so much fulfillment in that right now. And that's the where I'm finding that balance. I don't yep. feel and I don't have like this spare room and time and stuff like that to where it's like, oh, let me get like fully invested because that would be unfair to a person. Right. Like I'm going to get so fully invested and engrossed in their life because I think relationships require real, real commitment, real energy, real time, effort, dedication. You know, until, like I said, you get to the point where like you guys are at and you're like, hey, we have we know how to navigate this together. Like we have yep. this energy that's conducive and productive for both of us. And we can do this together. But that takes work getting there. And I'm like, balance is with all these things means over time it balances out. Yes. Over time, it balances out. So even if I had somebody in my life right now, they wouldn't be getting as much of me as I would be willing, like they would probably want because I'm like, I have so many other things I really want to crush right now. But let's say like a year from now, some of those things are in place and be like, I want to put more time and effort into my relationship because I know I've worked on this business and so on. So now I want to really. And when you have the right kind of partner. That's where they can be like, you know what? Like, I totally support what you're doing. I'm going to be here for you right now. And I know like it means I'm going to take a little bit of a backseat, but you got to be willing to do the same for them too. Like if they start going to school, like I want to get my like doctorate in something or whatever. You're like, I got you. Yep. I got you. I know I'm not going to be the priority right now, but you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to support you the way you've supported me. That And over time, that's the balance. Correct. And I mean, this applies to all aspects of life. So for example, I mean, when I was coaching Gary and traveling all over the world and doing all this stuff, my, I had zero balance. I had zero balance. And my life was basically all based on Gary and work, right? Posting on social media, posting three times a day on Instagram, posting on YouTube at least once a week, posting on Twitter three times a day, all this stuff, like nonstop work. Now I'm at a point where I'm becoming, I, I'm now taking a step away from work so I can spend more time with my fiance, so I can spend more time relaxing and more time doing jujitsu. But I really, I think some people would look at that and they'd say, well, that's more balanced. It's like, I don't necessarily think it's balanced. I just because think you're it's not working I'm, like you were. It's right. Now I'm just prioritizing other things, right? So it's it's inherently unbalanced. But if, you, just, if you look at your the span over a, through like a three to five year time, you would end up seeing a, a, an equation yes. of balance happen. Correct. Yep. That's exactly Yeah, we're totally right. on the same page about that. That's, that's how balance really works, right? Yeah, and I, so, I don't even know why how we got here, but that's I don't either. I, I love this. I love this whole conversation, though. I think that I mean, I took a lot out of it. I really enjoyed it. Is there anything before we go? You were of, asking. You were asking about training really hard. You said oh you yeah, yeah. Like you know what? How about because dude, I have to pee so bad. I'm gonna. I'm, my head's gonna explode. Let's do another podcast just on okay. training. Okay. Let's do another because actually we could talk about that for at least another hour. And I want to talk about the program that you wrote for me and my success that I had with that. So we can talk about training intensity, training volume, the things that actually in, in another podcast that you and I will do, we'll talk about the things I learned from you about specifically in relation to muscle growth and bodybuilding that I thought were, were myths prior to working with you that have helped. Oh, me. okay. I yeah. didn't know that you thought those were myths, but I know yeah. like when we first started working together, you had some like, really, is this, this way? I'm like, yeah. When we were talking, when you, when I saw the, the sets, the number of sets that you had me do, I was like, 
what? Like this doesn't, I remember sitting with Rico being like, this doesn't make any sense. We had to get on the phone and you explained it and then it made sense. And I trusted the process from day one, but I was surprised and I enjoyed it. Yeah. So we'll have a separate podcast solely on muscle growth. And what we can do is we can do another Q and a where people ask like what questions they want us to answer or want you to answer in the muscle growth podcast. And we'll have that. We'll do that separately. Yeah, And then when you, and then when you finally get moved down close to me, we'll, we'll do some epic cheat meals together. And I, I will make you <laughs> eat until there's no fun left. <laughs> I love it, man. Remind everyone where, where they can find you on social media. Just, if you just Google Paul Carter, I don't really like have like social media. It's lift run bang on Instagram and on Facebook. If you want to go there and get offended, you could probably find me on there because I'm way more offensive on Facebook than I am. Instagram is like my educational platform where I have fun. Facebook's where I talk like shit. I'm like, if you want to come, like, you want to throw hands, like, on like <laughs> hands, like, come to my Facebook. <laughs> I, I would encourage people to follow Paul on Instagram. Instagram. You would have more Facebook. fun. Like, you come to my Facebook, you we're going to throw hands about stuff. I, I, I've been doing my best to stay away from Facebook with all Facebook has become, it really has become a sh dog shit platform, right? Like, it's yeah. it's just so political. And... Facebook and Twitter, if I go on Facebook or Twitter, within seconds, I'm going to be upset. And probably yeah, it's terrible. Twitter is even worse, dude. Twitter is so worse. bad. It really Twitter, is. Twitter's the worst. You can spend time on Twitter and you could go on there starting off looking at like a video of a puppy and end up looking at the most outrageously awful stuff you could ever imagine. And I try not to spend my days like that. Really don't. Yeah, it ruins your day immediately. Yeah. I so. just post memes. I actually really just post memes. <laughs> your memes are now. hilarious on Instagram. Yeah, I just post memes. <laughs> so, yeah, we'll do the others. And uh, I hope that everybody... What they the, the main points they got out of this honestly was that you got to be your own doc. I always call it being your own Doc Brown, Doc Brown from Back to the Future. You got to be your own lifting a dietary Rick Doc Scott. Brown, right? <laughs> you got to figure out you know these variables that are going to work for you that will be sustainable, but also get you to your goals. And I think the other thing that really people need to get their head around is what they can watch if they want to watch me do is that when I crush my epic cheat meals on Friday, I'm just back on point on Saturday and just roll right into the next week. And that's what you've got to learn how to do. You've got to learn how to do that. Like, even if you didn't plan it, okay, so you had a good time out, just get back on your plan the next fucking day and then crush like the next however many days. That's it. That's it. You didn't fuck up. Just get back on track. I love that. Man, right. thank you. I love you, man. I love you too, bud. I'm glad you have me on. We always have fun. I, I'll talk to you soon, all right? I got to go pee, so I'm literally going to hang up on everything, all right? Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> Love you, man. Love you, too. That wraps it up for this episode of the Jordan Syatt Mini Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you have a wonderful day. Talk to you soon.